Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Today, the gentlemen have brought a guest on the show, and that is Richard Cohen. Richard Cohen, SPPA, is an owner of the professional claims consulting firm Clark & Cohen Incorporated. Richard is a third-generation public adjuster and has been licensed since 1988. He has had extensive experience with a variety of property claims for clients including colleges and universities, international, national, regional and local property owners, retail and residential developers, franchise, hospitality, healthcare, technology, and retail business owners. During his career, he has handled thousands of property claims, including the single largest homeowner's claim in Pennsylvania. Wow, now that is an accomplishment and a bio. Michael and John, how are you today? I'm good, Eric. I'm doing well, Eric. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm glad to hear both of you are doing great. I know that you are social distancing from each other right now. I'm kidding. You're, you're, but you're in two different studios, right? Yeah, I'm in the office. Michael's at home. Right yeah. on. Right on. And, and for our listeners, you, you do need to understand that I was on the podcast a little bit earlier. Michael plays the bass, and he plays it well. So if you want to go to their office, I'm sure that he'll hook up his bass and play for you if, if that's your request. <laughs> a little extra fee yep. on that, but we can, we, can, we can make that already. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we don't charge by the hour, but for this, I will. <laughs> All right. Fair warning. Uh, now, you brought Richard on the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce Richard and, and tell us why you brought him on the show today? Richard, first off, thanks so much for being a part of this podcast. Actually, Richard, Richard and I are members of the same Vistage peer group, and we meet monthly. And last month, when we were going through our business recap and family recap, Richard let everyone know that this year is the 100th year of his family business, Clark & Cohen. So as you mentioned, Eric, he's a third generation member uh, of his business. And that really sparked my interest because a few podcasts ago, uh, Dad, you and I did one on how to create a 100-year family vision. Yes, we did. As Rich is going through this really milestone that's incredibly rare, it really occurred to me. I said, we need to get Rich on this podcast. Rich, thank you so much for being a part of this, and, and congratulations on 100 years, because I think yeah, that's, congratulations. Yeah. that's the most important thing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Nice to have you, Rich. Great to be here. To start off, Rich, can you give our listeners a little history of Clark & Cohen? Obviously, it's 100 years. There's a lot of history there, but give us a little bit of a history of, of the company, where it started, and, and where it is today. So Clark & Cohen uh, is a public adjusting firm that started in Philadelphia. In 1921, the original public adjusting licensing law came into place in Pennsylvania. And that was the year that Clark & Cohen was started. Started by Cy Clark, who basically was an Orthodox Jewish gentleman, and he was also Irish. He started the company with a, a gentleman by the name of Leon Cohen, which really is, who was not related to me in any way, just a coincidence. And <laughs> that company thrived, did very well. My grandfather went to work there in the early 40s after the war. And then in 1963, he bought the company after Mr. Mr. Clark had passed away. 
My father uh, in 63 went to work there and his name was on the, on the wall or on, on the sign. So my family's owned the business uh, since the early 60s. Like you said, I'm the third generation. I've you know been doing this since 1988. Rich, you probably are aware of this statistic that only 3% of family businesses actually make it to the, to the fourth generation. And I know that I believe your son and your nephew are in, involved in now in the company alongside you. So you're really the the exception we call to most family businesses. So do you have any general thoughts on uh, how how you can attribute your success and what what secrets do you have that you can impart upon our listeners as to how you've achieved the hundred year milestone? So uh, what I'm going to say is my our secret is luck. I am third generation, but the first three generations, there was only one member of the family that was in the business. And that's made a huge difference so that we didn't have the infighting of people in the same generation that occurs a lot with family businesses um, and multiple siblings and cousins and that kind of thing. My grandfather was just my grandfather. Uh, It was just my father and then myself. I have two siblings. Neither were interested in going into the business. I do, as you said, have the fourth generation working with me, which is my son and my nephew, uh, who have been with me for about three years now. Both are doing excellent. But what I put into place with them is essentially the two of them are partners so that it doesn't matter who gets the business or who adjusts the business or what, you know, who who's successful. They both benefit. So they're kind of on the same team. They work together. And they support one another and they're both excited if anything happens because pretty much no matter what the outcome is, they both make money. So I'm hoping that that's so far so good that that's been a good way for us to kind of work around what could otherwise eventually potentially have problems or cause problems. You know, like I said, so far so good. Well, it's certainly not easy, uh, partnerships, even outside of a family context, but certainly when you bring in family members, that that definitely adds a different dynamic that some other businesses don't have. But I'm interested more uh, uh, with you, Rich, in terms of when you were decided to get into the family business and the company, what conversations did you have with your father, if any? Because you said you had two siblings and neither one of them are interested in the family business. What made you want to join the family business and, and what what conversations did you have with your father uh, about getting started in the business? So I, I've said this to a lot of people. I was kind of born to be a public adjuster and born to be part of the business. My, my parents joked that they were going to name me Clark Cohen so that I would be Clark Cohen from Clark and Cohen. And there was really never any question in anyone's mind that I would end up coming into the business. I mean, what we do here is kind of fix other people's problems and it's kind of who I am. I, I, I you know, I'm, I, I like to get involved and, and help other people out. So it was, it was, there was never a question in my mind that I was gonna become a public adjuster and come to work in the family business. I had an amazing relationship with my grandfather. He was a really difficult guy. He would fight with pretty much everybody and yelled at everyone that ever worked for him. But when it came to me, he he was very calm and, you know, taught me a ton. And, and you know, then I had a real, I had a wonderful relationship with my dad. We worked together for 25 years and, and he kind of let me do things the way I wanted to do them and was very happy to allow me to pretty much run the company from the time I got here. So in 
that way there was no question what what he did in make sure that I had before I could come to work here was I had to have a college degree because I was the first person in my family to uh, graduate from college. My father hadn't, my grandfather hadn't, no one else in my family had either. So at that point, I was the first one and they wanted, they wanted me to, although I did everything possible to try to get around that, it didn't work and they did make, <laughs> did make me get a degree before I came here. <laughs> I hope, I hope for the best at the end of the day. No question. No question. No. That, you know, when you look back at it, it's no question at the time I wasn't too happy about it. Yeah, and I wonder, did you have that same conversation with your son as, as sort of a prerequisite to getting in the business? I had a much different perspective of it than my, fa- my father and my grandfather. It's a very difficult business. It's 24-7. Fires and property damage happen when they happen. You can't really control it. And we are on call 24-7 and really have to show up anytime something happens. That means missing family events. That means running out, you know, generally when, you know, right when you're about to sit down to dinner. Uh, that means even if you're planning a weekend away, sometimes that doesn't exactly happen. I personally lo- love it. And I, I, would, w- I wanted to make sure that anybody that came into the business, I have two sons and a daughter, and not my sisters both have children that have worked here over the years. And anybody that came to work, wanted to do it. It was their choice and not something that I decided they should do. My nephew who works with me uh, went to Villanova Law School, uh, worked in a law firm for a year, wasn't real happy with what he was doing there and came to me and asked me if he could come to work here. Uh, My son worked in the real estate business um, actually for one of my clients uh, for four years. You know, he worked there during college and then right after college. So he experienced what it was like to work in a, you know, a much different culture than we're used to and kind of a, you know, more of a nine to five kind of job. That, that was really, those are the, the two things that were important to me was that they chose to come work and that they worked somewhere else and experienced it somewhere else before coming to work for the family. Yeah, this is, this is John. That's interesting you bring that up and being the leader of the, of the pack on my, on my family business, I'm G1 <laughs> in, this, in this conversation. And, and when I looked at my kids, and Michael obviously works with me as my partner, I, I, when I, had, I have a saying, I, I'm not here to motivate them, I'm, I'm here to find motivated people. So Michael was motivated to be in the business with me. But funny thing, I went to both girls and I said, hey guys, I want to give you an opportunity to work for Copper Beach. Are you interested? And both said, dad, I don't do math. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke with the girls. I don't do math. <laughs> it's not math. I haven't had this conversation with them. But there wasn't a desire from, from my daughter's part to be involved. They just didn't see it. They didn't feel it. So finding that motivated person to say, you know what? I see what you do. It, it excites me to maybe think about it as, as, as a business or as a career. I, I want to know more about it, and, and can I get involved? I'm assuming you had that, you had that same sense with, uh, with how you approach your kids. Yeah, it, it, there's no question about it. I mean, I wanted them to be interested. I wanted them to be motivated. I wanted them to bring something new to the business. I built a nice business and, and was luck, lucky that I had you know the, <clears throat> the generations before me that everything was going well, but I didn't, I didn't need them to come. So if they were going to come, they needed to bring something to the business and, and build it and make it a better and more efficient and all of those things. And, and, you know, that's the way that they're approaching it. And the fact that they came to me as opposed to me trying to draw them in 
felt much better and and kind of makes it so they're much more interested. Yeah, the point I wanted to make about your grandfather is that he probably had real keen instincts that he saw a diamond in the rough with you, and that's why his his demeanor was probably different. He saw leadership in you to to be the one that could possibly take over the the firm and move the company forward. Am, am I is that a good guess, or did you ever ever have a conversation with your grandfather about that? I never did. I mean, I, I never really brought it up to him about his okay. demeanor with other people, <laughs> the way that he, he interacted. But he was one of those people that he could yell at you. And then five minutes later, he forgot that he yelled at you and he's your best friend. You know, he, he it just went away. It was just the way he interacted with people. But it was I mean, it was it was across the board. Like he'd yell at insurance company, you know, employees, adjusters. He'd yell at clients. He yelled at everybody. And, <laughs> but for some reason, I mean. I'm the oldest grandchild. He and I spent a lot of time together when I was a young child. And so I think like to him, he was just so amazed that I was actually an adult and was able to come and work with him. And, you know, like he and I sat next to each other and worked together. And and I think he was so amazed by that, that it, he just treated me differently than he did everybody else. Yeah. Okay. Tr- tr- truth be told, he was also pretty nice to my dad. So, you know, he really wasn't, he wasn't like that with my father either. But everybody else that worked in the office or otherwise that was related, he, he was tough, really tough. Yeah, it was also that age group, too. I, I refer to them as depression babies. They grew yep. up in a different different world than we than we grew up in. And their attitudes about life were, were different. The, the way they treated money was different. The way they treated success was different. So, I, I mean, I, I go back to that, that. It's just that generational conflict and I'm not trying to be negative but it's that it's an understanding or lack of understanding about what what each generation what who they are as personalities or where they came from and we talked in the last podcast you know I can't teach Michael to live in my shoes because I grew up differently than he grew up as my son so it's that generational crossover and sometimes it's stressful because you don't understand why they're reacting that way I mean I, I go back to you know when I was 15 I thought my you know my mom didn't have a brain cell in her head <laughs> but then I realized when I was 25 how real smart she was so you get that you get that understanding as you get older as well but but that that transition through generations I think it's, it's a fascinating study I mean it's I, I love watching families develop that communication back and forth in, in, in a positive way we we've experienced i've experienced i experienced that with my grandfather too he he was a you know depression baby he knew what it was like not to have anything and you know had built himself into a successful businessman and you know had done very well in this business and then brought my dad in and my dad was much more even demeanored i mean you know he he was just like he he was people loved him and and really listened to him and he was somebody that you know, I have I've I've had clients of mine then and now tell me yeah, there's something about your dad like he had honest eyes. You know, he's like just somebody that you could trust. You knew when you looked at him, you could trust him. Both of them, you know, but definitely my grandfather. I think it was where he came from, and there was no way getting around that. Yeah, Rich, I, I want to bring back something you mentioned earlier with with your son and your nephew, and sort of the outside experience that that they have that they're now taking that experience and education that they've learned outside of your business and brought that to to Clark and Cohen and your nephew in particular being uh, an attorney like myself so you know he's definitely uh, on on his page with that but that certainly <laughs> can always change 
your your outlook in terms of approaching sort of a business that's outside of the legal profession. I'm I'm interested how that has hopefully positively affected your business having that outside experience that may be a different viewpoint on how you guys do business. It's definitely impacted us. And, and I, you know, when he did come to me, I mean, it was something that I really didn't even think twice about. He and I are very close and I, I looked forward to having him with me and having working with him and his approach and his view of things because of his education and because of his experience I've always had, you know, outside counsel and some in-house counsel. And with him, I have somebody that's right here in the office that, you know, we can we can discuss the the legal approach to something which comes up every day in our in in our day to day work. Him, his experience and his knowledge really makes a huge difference. And then, you know, my son, on the other hand, you know, his his experience with real estate and with developers and those things really help us quite a bit as well. And they, they're, they're both amazing young men and very good at what they do. And, and I'm thrilled that they're part of the firm, but they have very different personalities and approaches. And my son is a little more excitable, whereas my nephew is very calm, a lot like my dad. And truthfully, my, my son is a little bit like my grandfather. So the two of them are a very good mix and they complement each other. And so far, it's been an, ex- an extremely rewarding experience having both of them with me. Rich, when you, when you, when you look back at your, the whole business environment that you, that you live every day in, when you do have conflict, and I'm not suggesting you have wars and battles, but when you have conflict, where, where, where's that, where, where does that come from? Is that a potentially break down in a vision of the, where the company's going, or is that a lack of understanding about processes and procedures, or you know, where's the communication fail? And, I'm not, and again, I'm assuming it fails along the line somewhere, you know, sometimes. Uh, is, is, there, is there an issue with that with you guys as a family? When there's conflict between us, it's generally because of our different perspective of how the business of the vision for where we're headed. Although we we all have the, the overall same vision, how we're going to get there and uh, what it's going to take. And those kinds of things are the, the things that cause some conflict between us and also between my son and my, my nephew. I mean, my son's approach to, um, to, to work is different. He, he, he gets everything in and finishes all his work and does exactly what he needs to do. But he might go work out for an hour and then come back and he might disappear and go do something and come back and, and everything gets done, but it, but he might be working late into the night. Whereas my nephew has a much more similar schedule than I have, you know, like I come here, I come to the office first thing in the morning, I'm generally in the office or around the office and then come five, six, seven o'clock at night, I'm, you know, moving on to my next endeavor, whatever that might be. So those kinds of things, it just takes getting used to and understanding that everybody has a different way of approaching things. And, and that's just an example of one of those things. Do, do you hold uh, any type of weekly meeting with your team? Do, do you have some, a structure to that in, in any way? So it's funny because 
Yeah, we're, we're start like we do hold weekly meetings where we review all of the claims that we're working on. Um, each of the young men, each of my my son and my nephew, each you know go over the claims they're working on. I go over the claims I'm working on so that we can talk them out and talk about any issues that we're having or anything that's going on. So we do that once a week. That's a set meeting. We also have a sales meeting between. Well, it's pretty much the same team, but there are other people, some some of our salespeople that are in that meeting as well. We also have a public relations and marketing meetings. And that's those aren't weekly necessarily. So the way we set that up is every other week we have a public relations and marketing meeting with our, so we have outside vendors that work with us there. Every other week we have a sales meeting. And then pretty much once a week, we have a meeting where we review all the claims talk about what, you know, what kind of issues we're having or what our expectations are or anything that's come up that we hadn't seen before, which, you know, unfortunately happens all the time. Yeah. The reason why I bring that up is we work with a family in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They, they own a couple of oil wells out there and, and it's a, it's a generation three strategy now where we, we've worked with grandma, work with the kids, and now we're starting to work with the grandkids. And they have a monthly meeting around what's going on with the enterprise. And I, I find that when, com- when families do that, they have a tendency to be more successful as families because stuff comes out, <laughs> and rightly so it should, when things aren't comfortable. And, and the, the synergy amongst the family members, except one's a little twisted a little bit every, every once in a while, but most of them get on the same page and go in the right direction as a team or as a family. And I, I think it's wonderful to see that. But I think those those structures allow families to really have a smoother focus on where they're going. And, it, and again, it prevents the battles from occurring. The families that don't do that, there's always stress. Uh, we work with another family on the West Coast where two of the siblings are very much involved. The third one kind of disappears, but seems to have the power base to to stop things or move things along, and they acquiesce to that person. So you see the conflict. So it's wonderful to see families kind of go through that. And, and we counsel as much as we can to guide them, but we're not psychiatrists. We're not specialists in that arena. But when we see there's a problem, we do recommend sometimes other people step in to keep things on track and whatever. So that's why I brought that up. I think it's, I think it's great you're doing that. And I think it's just going to continue to perpetuate, you know, the success of your, of your company. Thank you. Uh, you know, what, I, what I'll say to you is I started it with the claims review kind of meeting once a week, but these other meetings, they set up even Good. to as, as recently as, you know, today we had a, a meeting set up for what we call solicitation, which is basically sales. And we, it was set up, you know, every week. And to be honest with you, we, we weren't really having it. Like it, we, we set it up and then it would, you know, somebody wouldn't be able to be there or it would get canceled or whatever. And so they're the ones who kind of came back around and said, we need to have these meetings. We don't necessarily need to do it every week, but we should do it every other week. So why don't we just have the public relations one, one, one Wednesday and we'll have the sales one the next Wednesday and we can switch off and that way we, you know, we'll, we'll keep things on track. And I think, you know, it's nice that they took that upon themselves based on the things that I was doing when they got here. Rich, I'm, I'm kind of along similar lines. I'm interested to hear if, if your family has, because you're in a family business, we sometimes talk with family businesses, businesses that really try to separate the 
business conversations from the family conversations when they're in a family conversation or excuse me, a family setting, like they're at a holiday dinner or something along those lines. They try to keep the business separate. They don't really talk about that. I'm wondering if your family does something similar to that or if it's sort of an open book with regard to when you're in family gatherings talking about the business. It's like natural to just want to talk about business when you're in a room with somebody you work with. You know, I I mean, my son and I, we spend a lot of time together besides work. We live near each other. He spends time at our house at the beach. He spends time, you know, they have dinner. He has dinner with me and my wife several times a week. It's just natural for him to him more so than me to want to try to talk about business. And we've made kind of a pact where, you know, we're together. We can be together all day. We can talk about it all day. But when we're with the family, you know, unless something is like happening as we speak, like somebody's calling about a new fire or, you know, some, you know, somebody's having a loss as we're talking about. um, Essentially, we try to avoid talking about business in those family situations. And we've, we've done pretty well. I mean, it's hard because to be honest with you, he's so excited about working in the business and how things are going and business that we're doing. And truthfully, so am I, that it's almost like natural to just want to have a conversation about it. But truthfully, I don't think my wife wants to hear about it anymore. (laughs) You know, she's heard about it from me for for over 30 years. So, you know, like now (laughs) her son's talking about it. And her eyes are rolling to the back of her. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my, my my comments when you when you brought that up. I think spouses and in-laws have an issue at times when you spend so much time in the business talking about the business, and they're not part of that. So, so some of the stress in families is you bring it home, and you spend time when you're supposed to be home with the kids and the family. You're spending time in business, and that was a challenge for people that are business owners and, 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 and that could cause some riff. So you need that support from spouses and in-laws. Like Michael's got a wonderful wife, Kate, and she has no problems when Michael and I talk about business. She, she, she says, that's great. And no, no problem. And so, but sometimes you don't get that. So, so there's, there's some other factors involved around families that you have to at least be, be aware of that you have to be careful as you build your, as you build your enterprise or keep it moving through generations, that there are other people involved that might not be involved, if that makes sense. Right. No, it makes a hundred percent sense. I mean, my, my son's girlfriend spends time with us as well. And I, and our other family members, I mean, I have another younger son and a younger daughter and they're, you know, our family is very close. And we, like I said, we spend a lot of time together and Truthfully, they're all not that interested in whether the insurance company's denying liability on, you know, somebody's claim, you know, that they never even heard of the people and have no interest in it at all. That's, it is something that we've put into place. We do the best we can. You know, sometimes we go outside the boundaries, but we are certainly trying to keep it, you know, under control. Yeah, Rich, this has all been really, really this has been great. I, I I knew that this was going to be a good podcast when when I thought of it when you were going over your your business review a couple of weeks ago in our meeting. So this has been awesome. It's as sort of a final topic or question. What do you think if you're giving advice to maybe some of our listeners or maybe there's a family business that's listening right now and maybe wants to perpetuate to, to the next generation? You talked about a lot of really good things. Do you have a single most important thing that you think is attributed to your success? My father's saying, his most favorite saying was, the harder I work, the luckier I get. (laughs) 
you know, I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I came into this business and when I first started working for my family, everybody was kind of sitting around waiting for the phone to ring, kind of living off of the book of business that existed and the contacts that they had and the people that they had. And I used to come into work at 8.30 in the morning and read the newspaper because sometimes there was just not that much for me to do. I got married and I had a family and I was, I said to my wife, like, what can I do to like, what can I do to, to do more business to, you know, and, and she basically was like, you know, go in earlier, you know, work later, you know, do, she gave me a lot of good advice about how to do things differently than, than, than the way that it was always done. And I did, I did all of that and it really worked out. It was, it was a great thing because I approached the business in a way that my family wasn't approaching it at the time and, you know, made contacts, some that I had for years and years and some new contacts, but just by being out and about and, and, you know, pretty much living the business. For me, that was, that, that made all the difference in the world and it exposed me to things that I wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to if I had just kind of stayed in the bubble that was the business that was presented to me when I got there. For, for me, I think it's, it's really hard work and keeping an open mind, certainly with the next generation. I have a vision of what I wanted it to look like, but it kind of looks like that now. So if, if they have a vision of what they want it to be and they can verbalize that to me and, and help me to understand it and see it, I want to support them to make it the best that it can be for them because yeah, I've kind of already, already done it. Yeah, that's Perfect. great. Well, Rich, I, this has been great. Like I said, thank you so much for joining us today. And I think I think we can have a whole other uh, podcast somewhere down the road on this. Is, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot we can dig into. Hopefully, it'll be in another 110-year uh, business at that point. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Uh, I really appreciate you guys you know, reaching out to me and asking me to do this. And uh, it's been fun. Always nice to talk about your business. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate your time, sir. Guys, this has been fantastic. I absolutely love this podcast, uh, mainly because it's it's another successful family business, right? I mean, that's the I like to hear these stories because uh, Michael, I think the the quote you gave was fourth generation. What is three percent of businesses make it to the fourth generation? Yeah, those are the statistics. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So I I love the fact that, that that we're seeing this unfold before our eyes. Richard, thank you so much for being here and being such a great guest, and of course. Um, John and Michael, thank you for bringing him on the show. Uh, I think this was, again, great content. I hope our audience learned a lot and learned a little bit about what they can do to, to perpetuate their business for the future. And obviously, audience, we just want to thank you also for tuning in to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. 
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy.